Welcome to the Cuban Genealogy Podcast number 105. We're discussing Jewish ancestry in Cuba. We will discuss Jewish migration to Cuba and then talk about the status of two Jewish cemeteries on the island. Those two Jewish cemeteries are the United Hebrew Congregation, Ashkenazi Cemetery, and the Sephardi Cemetery, both located in Guanabacoa in the Havana province. Now, I am not an expert on Jewish heritage, but I found some very interesting discoveries to share with you. For example, there are no social or professional associations in the Ashkenazi Cemetery, but you will find Masonic symbols on the gravestones, so keep that in mind when you're researching your Cuban roots. I'm glad that a Jewish heritage expert did research these cemeteries. You will find the reference link in the show notes. Look for the Jewish Online Worldwide Burial Registry link to read the full article. I also read excerpts from the book The Jewish Community of Cuba, 1906-1956 by J. Levinson, as well as jewishvirtuallibrary.org. And just to clarify, Sephardic refers to Jewish people of the Iberian Peninsula, that's Spain and Portugal, and Ashkenazi generally refers to Jewish people from Central and Eastern Europe. Okay, let's start with Jewish immigration to Cuba. According to the Jewish Virtual Library, there is some folklore that there were three Jewish men on Columbus's fleet, one on the Santa Maria, the Pinta, and the Nina. They were believed to be Marranos, uh, that's persons of Jewish faith, forced into Catholicism due to the Spanish Inquisition. Now, that's a topic for an entirely different podcast. They do note documented cases like Francisco Gomez de Leon, who was Jewish and put on trial during the Inquisition in Havana. He was later executed in Cartagena and his large fortune was confiscated. So, the virtual library also claims that during the 16th and 17th centuries, Jews immigrated to Cuba from Brazil. I never knew that. They were persecuted under Portuguese control. New Jewish immigrants established trade in Cuba, and by the 18th century, Cuban-Jewish trade reached Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and Germany. In the late 1800s, Jews from the Dutch Antilles settled in Cuba. They supported José Martí, who liberated Cuba from Spanish colonial rule in 1898. Many Jewish traders pursuing business in the New World set up outposts on the island. In 1988, after the Spanish-American War, uh, the Jewish population established a permanent presence in Cuba. American Ashkenazi Jews, born in Romania and elsewhere in Eastern Europe, also immigrated to Cuba to work for U.S.-owned plantations and businesses. In 1906, 11 American Jews founded Cuba's first synagogue, the United Hebrew Congregation. It is described as a reform synagogue, and it conducted its services in English. This is considered the first, of, you know, the official beginning of the Cuban Jewish community because of the establishment of that synagogue and then later that their cemetery. The next wave is from 1910 to 1920. Many Jewish immigrants came to Cuba from Turkey due to the breakup of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, that was a breakup from Russia and Eastern Europe. And then the final wave is in the 1930s, 
when more Jewish immigrants arrived in Cuba due to Nazi persecution in Europe. That is also a whole other podcast topic. So let's see what author Jay Levinson has to say in his book. Levinson describes the Cuban Jewish community in its golden age. Jews were fleeing from persecution abroad and found refuge in Cuba. They adjusted to a new country and built a vibrant Jewish presence in Cuba. He goes on to note how there were essentially three Jewish communities in Cuba and how sociological, linguistically, and culturally they had these differences and they constantly were changing during different periods of time. He also brings to the reader's attention that many of the Jews left Cuba after World War II. Hmm, do you wonder where they went? So keep all this in mind when researching your Jewish Cuban roots. In case your ancestor disappears in Cuban records, they could pop up elsewhere in the world. If you have a copy of this book by Lick J. Levinson, hold on to it. It's selling on Amazon for $809. Wow. So, the population estimate for 1984 is 24,000 Jews in Cuba, many working in the garment industry, although as of this podcast recording, I am unable to find exact documentation of Jewish immigration from 1900 to 1920, meaning the exact number by year. So, before 1959, it is estimated that 15,000 Jewish people were living in Havana with other large populations living outside of the capital. Now, keep in mind there was Jewish immigration going out of Cuba after World War II as well. After 1959, 94% of the Jewish population moved to Israel through a secret system set up by the Canadian Embassy. Isn't that interesting? And the others went to the U.S., mainly South Florida. So that's 94% of the Jewish population. In 2007, the New York Times estimated there were only 1,500 Jews living in Cuba and 1,100 of them living in Havana. And here are some random facts. So in 2006, in December, the synagogue Adath Israel celebrates its 100th year anniversary. So that's 1906 to 2006. So let's talk about Jewish cemetery records. According to a study posted on jewishgen.org, there are incomplete burial registers for both cemeteries. Records are located in the cemetery office as well as at the synagogue. And keep in mind, both record sets are incomplete. The history of the Ashkenazi Cemetery is also interesting. It was once a United States military base and a temporary cemetery for American soldiers who had been either killed in action or died of disease from the Spanish-American War. So if you remember the Spanish-American War of 1898, the records from this period are, are not complete. According to the United States Army, many of the bodies, if not all, were returned to the United States for reburial. Then, yes, then the cemetery was converted into an avocado farm, Finca de Aguacate, and then eventually into the Ashkenazi Cemetery. So American Jews living in Cuba realized that more had to be done. They needed more, and in 1906, Manuel Hadida met with Rabbi Menendez in New York, and from this meeting, the United Hebrew Congregation was established. Again, that meeting took place in 1906, and the cemetery was completed in 1911. So, what's it like visiting these cemeteries? As of this report, which was written in 2010, both cemeteries have full-time caretakers. 
Both Guanabacoa cemeteries contain Holocaust victim memorials, and these are among the earliest in Latin America, so that's very interesting. And the general Ashkenazi cemetery layout holds to Jewish tradition. There's a room for washing the deceased. It's located at the entrance of the cemetery and with an outside working faucet to allow visitors to wash their hands upon leaving. Section C11, D1, and D9 contain many children's graves. I will upload a pixelated cemetery map um, of the cemetery on Find a Grave. It's all I could find, but it's better than nothing. Many of the young children and babies' graves are either unmarked or completely illegible. The researchers are unsure whether they were intentionally left unmarked by custom or just worn. Some very young children's graves and several teenagers had specifically identified graves and matzavot. Matzavah is the Hebrew singular form for the word tombstone or memorial, and matzavot is the plural version. The matzavot show different burial traditions and languages. The stones are lined so they face directly east or directly west. Inscriptions are in English, Hebrew, Yiddish, Russian, and Spanish. Memorial artwork includes universal Jewish symbols like the menorah, candlesticks, the Star of David, and lions. The inscribed birthplaces are from Eastern and Central Europe and Cuba. This makes sense since we know about these different migration groups from 1900 up to the 1930s. The researchers saw distinct differences in the presentation of information on the tombstones. Date and place of birth, the Hebrew date of death, description of the deceased, there was inclusion of art, special expressions of love or respect, including poetry and phrases, but with no real clues to wealth or community status. For example, the graves are not segregated by gender or by wealth. They appear to be mostly organized by date of death. There are few family plots and no societies. I think it's interesting to note that there are no society plots in the cemetery. If you compare it to Cologne, which has many family plots and hundreds of society plots. I will also post online from the Ashkenazi Cemetery a tomb, that, a tombstone that has the symbol of uh, some Masonic symbols and Jewish symbols as well. So you can check two boxes off for that ancestor from just one tombstone. There are two memorial cenotaphs in the cemetery. One is the memorial to the Holocaust victims, and it's along the front wall and the other is a Machado Martyr Cenotaph dedicated to Jewish Communists. I have never heard of Jewish Communists, so that was something new that I learned in my research for this podcast. So let's talk about the actual records. The Ashkenazi Cemetery has about 1,600 burials. There are 635 photos on the jewishgen.org database. The database is for subscribers only. 167 records can be viewed on findagrave.com. The Sephardic Cemetery has less burials. Here's what the researchers report. The nearby Sephardic Cemetery, founded much later in 1842, now that has to be a typo because I think it would be 1942 because we know the Ashkenazi was completed in 1911. The Sephardic Cemetery has about 200 graves. The Centro Hebrea Sephardi in the Vedalo neighborhood has the burial registers for the cemetery, but it's incomplete. If you look online on findagrave.com, there are only two records listed for the cemetery, and it's not with an actual photo. So as you can see, there is definitely a need to continue preservation efforts at these two Jewish cemeteries and every other single cemetery in Cuba. You can also find traces of Jewish ancestry in other cemeteries, like in Cologne cemeteries. 
There were also synagogues in Camagüey and Santa Clara, Santiago de Cuba. We can always do a follow-up podcast on any of these topics. So, just a quick note, if you see any Jewish DNA in your Cuban family tree, it could show up from the 17 to 1800s from the Marano ancestor. It could be from an, from an ancestor that converted from Judaism to Catholicism uh, as part of the Spanish Inquisition. It could be from one of the Jewish immigrants that went to Brazil, then Cuba. Or it could be from the 1900s when the Jews were fleeing different parts of Europe. So it's a lot to think about when reviewing your DNA ethnicity reports. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and for your continued support. I thoroughly enjoyed researching Jewish ancestry in Cuba. I will research even more. I learned quite a bit, and I hope that you did too. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian Toscobello.